Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You'll never see me coming. our series of retro Avengers reviews is Iron Man 3 again Robert Downey Jr. returning as Tony Stark uh, Ben Kingsley appearing as the Mandarin uh, Guy Pearce also appearing in the series for the first time also change in director as John Favreau leaves the director's chair although still uh, uh, still appears in the film and he's replaced by Shane Black yeah, one of my favourite favourite screenwriters, which um, people who listen to the retro review will hear us have a chat with James about that later on. Yeah, so like the others in this series, the, this review will feature a retrospective review, uh, this time featuring Owen again and Matt Lamborn, as well as a retro review from when we originally reviewed the film. Um, where Matt managed to spoil it for himself. <laughs> yeah, so that's the sole reason we've got Matt back for this podcast, because yeah. the people who listen back will realise he's not really a fan of the Iron Man films, but it felt unfair to get anybody else in for this, yes. as we notoriously ruined the spoiler. He ruined it for himself. Well, he ruined it for yeah. himself, yeah. Yes, yeah, so this review, like the rest, will feature clips from the film, the trailer, and our retrospective and retro reviews. And here is the trailer for Iron Man 3. stuff. I got a great girl and occasionally save the world. So why can't I sleep? You elected me on a single platform. I will defend this country at all costs. The Mandarin must be stopped. That's you. It's the star. 
today is the first day of what's left of your life. Where do we want to start with? Did we enjoy the film? That's probably the best place to start. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say yes, it's the best place to start, and yes, I really enjoyed the film. Yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed <laughs> it as well. Yeah, it's very good. It's different to what I was expecting, but it's very good, all the same. There are definitely a couple of interesting and unexpected twists in the film that are certainly yeah. enjoyable, if, yeah. if it's, not controversial. It's a brave film, and it's very, very definitely a Shane Black film as well. Um out of, in fact, I'd say out of all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films, this is the one which has the stamp of its director most visible all over it, uh, from the script to the shooting style, right down to kind of credit choices and stuff like that. Very, very much a Shane Black film, and if you're a Shane Black fan like I am, you, will, you, you won't be disappointed. Find some people who might not know what kind of film Shane Black has done. Okay, Shane Black is, well, he was the highest paid screenwriter in Hollywood in the 90s. He actually appears in Predator. He's one of the members of the, he's an, he was an actor. Uh, and then he created Lethal Weapon. He also wrote The Last Boy Scout, which me and Owen adore. Uh, he then went on to write The Last Action Hero and got paid $4 million to write The Long Kiss Goodnight as well. And then disappeared from Hollywood because he was sick of getting loads of flack for basically getting paid loads of money. <laughs> and then he came back in, I think, 2005, uh, when he wrote and directed Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and that was his feature film debut as a director. And then, again, nothing until now. So he he's deciding to take his time on projects. But that gives you an idea. The man loves action, and he loves self-referential, kind of meta-comedy as well, and he is great at one-liners. Oh, he's brilliant at it. I mean, mm. even you know, you mentioned sort of Last Boy Scout. That is just mm. chock full of <laughs> just fantastic one-liners. And yeah, there's a there's a video on YouTube uh, which says funniest bits from Last Boy Scout, and it's 15 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's kind of what this film was like to me, though. You know, it's it's kind of like an action film second, if you like, and a comedy film first, which mm. is what I meant by it. it wasn't really what I was expecting. Yeah. You know. I thought it was um, thought it was very good. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Actually, it was yeah, it was completely unexpected. Certain bits of it really took me by surprise. The tone was was bizarre at times. Now I think it just about worked, but I can see it putting some people off. The fact that it opened up on Robert Downey Jr. doing a voiceover. I just went, oh my God, I'm watching Kiss Kiss Bang Bang again. This is amazing. <laughs> but again, some people will have hated the fact, and I know a few people tweeted me earlier to say they hated the narration uh, at the beginning. Yeah. And then, and it goes from a bit of narration into Eiffel 65's Blue. Um, complain about that. Oh, no, no. Who, who would complain about that? Uh, one of the songs of the 90s. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's very different to anything there, we've seen not, in the Marvel Universe. There's not a lot of Iron Man in it, is there? I mean, at the end, if you combine all of it, then yeah. But it's it's a film more about the man than the Iron Man. Very good. Oh, <laughs> that's good, Steve. That's me done. I'll, 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 
I think you're right. It's the final third, which is, I mean, the whole film itself is sort of like a redemption story, isn't it? It has the fall and then the rise and so on. Um, And the rise is that it's, it's more about the Iron Man who rises, I think. Here's a little holiday greeting I've been wanting to send to the Mandarin. I just didn't know how to phrase it until now. My name is Tony Stark and I'm not afraid of you. I know you're a coward. So I've decided that you just died, pal. I'm gonna come get the body. There's no politics here, it's just good old-fashioned revenge. There's no Pentagon, it's just you and me. And on the off chance you're a man, here's my home address. 10880 Malibu Point, 90265. I'll leave the door unlocked. Um, so yeah, Robert Downey Jr. is fantastic again, as you would expect, and to me even better because he's working with the Shane Black script. It, yeah, everything clicked brilliantly. Apparently, he ad libs a lot. Robert Downey Jr. I was listening to an interview with with Gwyneth Paltrow, yeah. and she was saying that he sort of just looked Gwyneth. You could make Gwyneth. Yeah, <laughs> he just sort of uh, he just sort of looks at the um, script, takes in mind what's going on, and just mm. makes it all up. Yeah, you get you get that impression that, uh, and and I think Shane Black and Joss Whedon are the type of people who um, will indulge that if that if it's getting the right results. And it's got, it was quite interesting hearing him an interview with Danny Junior, which said that he's had a very hands-on role with Iron Man from the beginning. But for Avengers, he went in and he just went in, read his script, hit his mark, did his lines. He didn't really have much control over Avengers, and he said that was actually quite fun. So that, that that's quite interesting to see how the Iron Man and Avengers threads have kind of gone along separately and then conjoined there. I would, what I just want to say as well, Don Cheadle was really good in this as well, I thought. I, I, I think he had some good chemistry. Also, Guy Pearce, very, very good. Guy Pearce very rarely lets you down anyway. Um, um, is it, I think we might have said this last week, but Don Cheadle was kind of revealed that um, War Machine or Iron Patriot yeah. will, will appear in Avengers Phase 2. Yes. So yeah, it, it's all all very very interesting, but it does leave you with some questions as to how Iron Man fits into it. One thing I do just want to say as well is I thought Gwyneth Paltrow she gets a lot of flack. Gwyneth Paltrow, and I, I think understood it's, why. I've never understood why. I know, I, she, know what, I know she married that Burke from Coldplay and called her yeah. Apple, but other than that. And, and I think people attribute, and I'm currently writing a massive defence of Tom Cruise for the website, uh, and this ties into that. People confuse what happens outside of people's acting work with their acting work. And not everyone, but some people, because she called her kid Apple, because she married someone from Coldplay, and because she talks nonsense about not eating red meat and stuff like that, uh, whatever. I, I thought she was actually good in this. And I was really pleased that she was a little bit more than a damsel in distress for once. The bit where... Uh, I, I just loved the bit where the suit kind of formed around... I, I loved seeing that. I, loved, I thought, although we didn't see a lot of Iron Man in a suit in this one we saw actually a lot more of the suit as its own separate character stroke entity um well yeah i think it was giving a physical form to jarvis wasn't it you know yeah like that moment where you know and i on you honestly genuine kind of mild peril here where tony's house is under attack Mm. and he falls into the water and he can't fly i genuinely was (gasps) 
like that. I didn't. I, I was like, how's he going to get out of this? Um, or or when the bit where the arm came off and pulled him out, and I was, I really liked that. Or when he um was in Air Force One and was saving yeah. everyone that had, had basically come out of Air Force One, yes. and then hits a truck at the end, and you think, yeah, and then it turns out that he's just remote controlling it from a boat. Yeah. Yeah, again, a few nice kind of switching reveals, and I, I, I liked those. It, last year was a poor year for comedy, anyway. And to be honest, an action comic book film shouldn't be one of the funniest films I see. It's good to have some, but it genuinely had more laughs than most films I saw last year. And it was the same this time. In fact, I'd say that Iron Man 3 is funnier than Avengers. Uh, I think Avengers is just about the better film, but Iron Man 3 had more laughs, and it had really weird jokes like that, and, you know, how many blockbusters are going to mention Croydon, ever? <laughs> yes, I think we're unanimously in uh, agreement over the fact that it's a, it's a great comedy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Jerry, Jerry probably hated it, and he'll feel that, <laughs> yeah. Uh, who's home? Well, my mom already left for the diner, and Dad went to 7-Eleven to get scratchers. I, I guess he won, because that was six years ago. Hmm. Which happens, Dad's leave. No need to be a pussy about it. Here's what I need. A laptop, a digital watch, a cell phone, the pneumatic actuator from your bazooka over there, a map of town, a big spring, and a tuna fish sandwich. Hello, so welcome to our retrospective review of Iron Man 3. Uh, I'm joined uh, by Matt Lamborn. Hello, Hi. Matt. Hello, Owen. How's it going? Okay, thank you. Yes, we're doing quite well. We've just had our retro, retro review, which has looked at the performances and the director and the fact that we thought it was quite a good comedy, Iron Man 3. Matt, you've got a slightly different opinion on the film, so why don't you, you kick us off with what you thought of Iron Man 3? Okay, so just to give a little bit of perspective on how I've come to my conclusions on Iron Man 3, I haven't seen the other Iron Man movies, I don't know if... You guys on Fell Critics are aware of that or not. I wouldn't consider myself a Marvel fanboy, but just someone who's enjoyed uh, the majority of the MCU thus far. So we had this incident whereby during the original review of <laughs> Iron Man 3 on Fell Critics podcast, back when we used to regularly do a spoiler alert segment, um, people who are wanted to see the film and hadn't got round to it by the point the podcast came out, we usually skipped the spoiler alert so nothing was ruined. So me and my eternal wisdom thought, it's a Marvel film, what what could possibly be spoiled? So I just listened to it and then it gave away the whole Mandarin plot. Yeah, I think we pretty much went straight into talking about how Ben Kingsley's The Mandarin is actually a Mr. Slattery Indeed, who is from Croydon. So that's provided a few lasters on the podcast over the last couple of years, yeah. and, and I'm cool with that. That was my own silly fault. <laughs> but that was a good advertisement for why spoiler existed in the first place. So shame on me, but alas, on we go. So I was watching that in light of I haven't seen the other Iron Man films, and I already knew what was going to happen in regards to the Mandarin. Although, to be fair, by the time I got round to watching it for the first time recently, I'd almost forgotten about what the twist was. I just knew it involved okay. the Mandarin in, in some respects. So I don't think it spoiled it for me that much. And I kind of twigged sort of naturally anyway, because isn't the Mandarin 
by a token of his name, supposed to be uh, a sort of Oriental-based character? Well, yeah. I mean, t- technically, I suppose so. But in this film, they put a twist on it that he's meant to be... Well, he's sort of like um, Arabic. I yeah, think is they're, the they're trying to, to pose him as a Arabic or, or Middle Eastern sort of freedom fighter to a degree in light of the current state of world affairs. So I kind of understand yeah. why they've done that. Makes sense. It makes the film more relevant to a younger audience who are less familiar with the comic book background and whatnot. So that's cool. But but it wasn't. I mean, that that change itself was quite controversial. Never mind the fact that they then twist it so that the Mandarin is Guy Pierce, mm-hmm. who's the Mandarin in real life. Uh, the, the fact that there is no guy who is collecting all these magic rings and is basically Ben Kingsley's character of the man. He's just some... He's a stooge. So Yeah, that itself was quite controversial. So they, they've gone away from that, so that's going to upset some comic book fanboys. But to me, who hadn't read Iron Man, mm-hmm. hadn't seen other Iron Man, it didn't matter at all. So I took it at face value, so that's fair enough. So as far as the twist goes, I was able to detect, regardless of what I knew about the spoiler, that... Guy Pierce's character was a little bit too sinister from the get-go, so something was going to be going on there. He had a much bigger role to play. I liked it in the beginning um, because it was interesting to see Tony Stark as a character put in situations whereby he had to rely on his wit and intelligence rather than his armour to get out Mm -hmm. of sticky situations where the agents who have been injected with the extremists are pursuing him as he goes to... I can't remember where he went to. Is it Philadelphia? Anyway, he (laughs) he has to go somewhere after the attack on his Malibu beach house uh, to investigate what's been happening to these people who supposedly exploded and and whatever. And I really enjoyed that bit. It was was good to see him against the odds rather than trashing everybody with the armour as you would expect him to and using wit and humour uh, as pop mechanisms in there. It was, it was good. What they try to do in this film, much like in Iron Man 1, he has a crisis of confidence because he's a, an arms dealer who suddenly realises the severity of the, the, the business that he's in. So he has a crisis of confidence. In Iron Man 2, he's literally poisoned by his own suit. The actual thing that keeps him alive, the thing in his chest, is what's killing him. It's it's infecting him with with this 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 problem. In Iron Man three, it's sort of post traumatic stress that he has, which is causing him the personal battles in this film. Which is an immediate follow up to the events of the Avengers. That's right. Which is following on the event from the events of Avengers exactly. I I loved Iron Man three. I really loved it the first time I saw it in the cinema. I rewatched it again and thought it was it was great. I I still think it's a very funny film. It's definitely as James said in the retro review, it's fantastic Shane Black film. So if anyone's a fan of Shane Black, they'll probably enjoy this. It's it's, it's completely identifiable as one of his movies. Mm. But I, I think he touched on as well a point about how if the comedy doesn't grab you, the film itself probably won't grab you either. So do you necessarily agree with that? Yeah, Matt, are you, so to, yeah. to a point. I mean, there, there was a few jokes in there as per the Tony Stark character of his little quips that, that do make you laugh. Didn't like the relationship he has with the, the young boy at the beginning of the film. Didn't like that. No, so I, I, I found that annoying. Where he says that his dad left and he says, well, don't be such a pussy about it. You know, <laughs> there's, 
Yeah. <laughs> some I'm, ge- I'm gen- guessing that's that's trying to hark back to Predator or something like that with his pussy yeah. jokes, but uh, it d- didn't make me laugh as much as as it seems to have with other people. But so, I, you know, one of the things about uh, Iron Man three that I found when watching it, and I'm, was that it seemed to have quite a lot of heart to it, and you know, it wasn't just simply the final part of a trilogy, and you know how they can tail off sometimes. They put they genuinely put a lot of effort into bringing the the character of Tony Stark as well as the character of Iron Man, because they're the same person, but, you know, they have sort of separate arcs between them. So, mm-hmm. I think yeah. that, that's fair enough if you're reviewing it as the the final part of a trilogy. If, exactly. I'm so if you're coming it from it as, at face value as a one-off, yeah. and only knowing the effect of the storyline as the Avengers blended into Iron Man 3. Mm-hmm. And for me, they, they seem too different. Okay. Iron Man's very heroic and outrageous and overpowered to a point in the Avengers and he just seems so weak in what obviously he's trying to drive home that it it is just a man under the armor and he would do well to to lose it to a certain degree but I was expecting a a gradual build up to a confrontation at the end where where Iron Man would would shut down these extremist infected uh, bad guys and to be fair, he gets his arse handed to him. And I just didn't enjoy that. Like, well, I think there's a point because in Avengers, he takes on Thor. He has a punch-up with Thor. And that's, you know, him fighting an actual supposed god, you know. Yeah, and it's very um, even. And it's very even. Whereas in this, they try to bring into it all of his fragilities again. You know, he's having these panic attacks. He's, he's not sure that he, you know, how he can carry on as Iron Man. And... That emotional state affects his physical state in in many respects. You know, even the stuff about his armour can't stay together. It just keeps falling apart. Is, you know, it's perhaps symbolic of of his actual character state. That was one bit that did make me laugh, just as he's getting towards the climactic showdown. (laughs) And he fires his armour in and it smashes on its way in and just crumples in front of him. And I was like, that's actually really funny. Nothing's been the same since New York. Oh, really? Well, I didn't notice that at all. You experience things, and then they're over, and you still can't explain them? Gods, aliens, other dimensions? I'm, I'm just a man in a can. The only reason I haven't cracked up is probably because you moved in, which is great. I love you. I'm lucky. But, honey, I can't sleep. I suppose we've talked a little bit then about the fact that you've seen Avengers, but haven't seen the Iron Man films, do you have a favourite Marvel film so far? Yeah, I'm a big fan of both Captain America's, but my favourite is The Winter Soldier. Uh, I think they got the tone of those just right. I like how Captain America as a fighting entity is extremely powerful, but not invulnerable. And occasionally Mm. you are going to see him get into fights whereby... He is at risk, so you can believe he's in peril, which I think is an important thing for these films because there's no point going to see um, a film that effectively has a lot of action scenes or, or hand-to-hand mm-hmm. combat and just know that the good guy's always going to win regardless. So I think they're pitched really well. Action scenes are good. Uh, casting's really good for both of those films. And I think it plays its part in the overall arc of the Avengers very well. 
Um, so I would, if I was going to go out on a limb and say a favourite, Winter Soldier is my favourite, and probably the first Captain America is right up there as well amongst my favourite ones. Okay, so I think I know what you're going to say then. But do you? Are, you, are there any in Marvel's future lineup that you're most looking forward to? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think it's, I'm guessing it's, Civil War. <laughs> probably. I said. mean, it's getting to a point now whereby it's expanding beyond my limited comic book familiarity now. We're involving more characters than I'm, I've been previously aware of, such as Ant-Man and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to them all on a sort of equal basis because my understanding of them is quite limited. But I have a, a reasonable idea of where it's going to go after Age of Ultron with Civil War and excited to see how they're going to handle the conflict between, I believe it's Spider-Man and Iron Man. Yeah, I think I think the, the future for the franchise and the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe is still quite bright. We've touched upon in the last few episodes we've done of Failed Critics how the hype train is not quite as grandiose this time around as it was for Avengers, but I don't think people have had their fill of it yet. If they continue to make the films with the right balance of fun and excitement and thirst-quenching action, people will still continue to go and see these films. And they seem to be doing right by the fanboys, which is one of the most important things. Because even if they don't generate the hype for the casual audience, they've still got millions of people devoted to the comic book series who are happy with the job that they're doing with it so far. That's it then, I think, Matt. We'll leave it there. Unless you've got anything else you want to add on the Marvel films, I think we'll um, we'll wrap it up yep. at that point. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, excellent. Okay. Thank you very much. No worries. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening. Extensive than extended.